Welcome to Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast, hosted by Andy Baldacci. Each week, Andy interviews a successful agency owner who shares their proven strategies to help you build and grow your agency. Hey guys, welcome to the first episode of Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Baldacci, and every week I'm going to bring you a new interview with an agency owner who will share actionable advice to make your own agency more successful. This week I'm super excited to have Josh Denning as my first guest. Josh is a host of the Tropical Entrepreneur Podcast and runs two agencies of his own. Smart ROI is a full-service digital agency, and Authority Factory is a consultancy that builds smart sales funnels for their clients. Josh has been in the online marketing space for over a decade and has built a well-oiled machine that generates over 300 inbound leads every single month. And in our talk, he shares with you exactly how he does that. So without further ado, here's Josh. All right. So Josh, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Andy. Looking forward to it. No problem. And so why don't we get started... uh, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. So um, I've been working in the digital agency uh, world, I guess, professionally now for what seems amazing. I've been saying, you know, nine to ten years for, for a while, and I, I realized like, yesterday when I was talking to my team, it's actually going on 13 years now. So I've been wow. in this uh, industry for a long time. Um, I was marketing on the internet uh, as a hobby for probably three or four years before that, Way back, I guess it was, would have been 2002 or something like that. Um, I built my first huge email list, which was like a built a 15 or 20,000 person email list. That was I, your first one. That was my first list. Yeah, that was, <laughs> yeah. Um, that actually ended up really, to be fair, in terms of internet like marketing type stuff. One of the the bigger lists that I ever built. I never really got mm-hmm. as focused on just home based internet marketing again as I did, you know, way back then and. Mm-hmm. And I think that was partly because I did something very silly, and, it's a, and I think it's a great mistake for people to hear that 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 was made. Is that I was enrolling a lot of people into one of this kind of plug and play programs uh, on the internet from that list and from solo ads. And if you don't know what solo ads are, they're they're paid emails that go out to um, other marketers' lists. So you might pay anywhere from a hundred dollars to a couple of thousand dollars to send uh, your email or your, your your offer out to a 1,000 person list to a 100,000 person list. So I was doing a mixture of that plus my own list plus mainly that, some other stuff as well, but they, they were the main sources of leads. And I got it up to getting quite a few thousand dollars coming in my mailbox every every month. And for some reason, I, I just still to this day don't remember know why I did it. I decided even though that was going so well to go and get a job in commercial finance. And I just let the autoresponder lapse the bill came in. I was sitting there thinking about paying it. It was hardly anything, nowhere near what was coming in. And I just, I don't know why I let it lapse. And I, that list just was just gone. <laughs> <laughs> well, leading up to it, what made you decide to leave that and get a more traditional job? I, I don't know. I can't remember why I did that. Because mm-hmm. oh, um, what, what year was that roughly? It was around, so that, by the time I was going to get a more traditional job, that would have probably been 2003 or something. And that was me actually okay. going back into finance. And mm-hmm. I did that for a while, and I, because I had quite a, quite good digital skills, I started doing like pay-per-click programs for the, the company that I was working for, uh, and doing like stuff online and things like that. 
And then I decided to go professionally into the, the, the internet marketing world or the digital agency world. And um, at the time, I ended up very lucky. So by 2003 um, or 2004, I started segueing into the, the agency world professionally. Okay. And I landed the, the first role I got, took six months of interviews to get the role, was with uh, one of the largest, age, well, one of the first and largest agencies in Australia that's now quite, you know, they're in most countries around the world after they got bought out by Experian. And that was, used to be hit, was it Hitwise when I was with them and they became Experian Hitwise when I, I was with them as well. That was like amazing. So that was multi-channel digital agency marketing, conversion rate optimization, you know, way back then it was around at a B2B level. I want to see if I have my, my notes right. Was your first client had a budget of over a million dollars a year? was one of my first, yeah. It was probably... And so what was that like going from... You had your own mailing list and you went and get a job. You started doing pay-per-click and all that. And then you're thrown into kind of the big leagues. You know what? It's and Because after that, I've worked for other agencies where they would just think that was unthinkable. So, I, But at the time, I just thought that must have been normal. <laughs> so I'd, I'd had a lot of experience in, in sales because I'd been in commercial finance and property development lending before that where the deal sizes were, were even bigger for people building okay. like apartment complexes and things. Right. But, uh, so almost you're being a little naive about the internet marketing industry. It didn't seem like it was that big of a thing. No, not until years later. Not until right. I joined because, I mean, I was very happy about it and I was excited. Mm-hmm. And, and even the other team members seemed to think it was pretty, like they didn't really think it was actually going to come in. And then the contracts came back and the first payment came in. And that was actually, that, that deal size was actually to be increased to um, oh, wow. even more than that. So the average deal size, though, at HitWise was about $30,000 a month. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, $360,000 a year. So a, a $120,000 a month campaign was, was definitely big. Um, so that was amazing. I mean, that we flew down to, to Melbourne from the Sydney office once every two weeks for, for training, which was a lot. I didn't really realize that also that was crazy that they did that much training and they flew in people from all over the world so it was an amazing experience um, with the training there and and dealing with big companies and and seeing how big campaigns are organized and structured and ran and delivered and everything like that and then I I was there for a couple of years and then I actually got another break of luck and ended up with Bruce Clay who's another huge Mm -hmm. agency and I wanted to move because I was a consultant at Hitwise and I wanted to move on to the tools. I wanted to actually do the work. So Bruce Clay, I was an SEO analyst there. So, you know, ended up being trained by, at the time, I think probably still now, who in the industry probably considered one of the the leading or forefathers or very, very brilliant SEO minds. Um, because mm-hmm. he, Absolutely. Because this was his Australian office. And when, he, when new team members are starting in an office, he actually flies to that office or he, he just goes to every office every year and you get, and the intake happens when he does that. And he'll run like a, a, a three week training program. And all the team members that are, are going on the tools need to go through that before they actually hit the tools. And so it seems like at Hitwise and at Bruce Clay, they both have a strong culture of, of training and of education. Was that something you intentionally sought out or did it happen that way? Just happened that way. I was very happy about it because I, you know, right. loved all that stuff. At Bruce Clay, even after you know he was gone, and you, you kind of it's just still there with the regional directors, uh, who were obviously also hugely knowledgeable, and everyone on the team was. 
every Friday, you actually, at about one o'clock, you'd go into uh, the meeting room or the boardroom and, and what everyone did, everyone had to do was go through three pieces of industry knowledge that they'd uncovered that they thought were unique, new, uh, exciting, et cetera, and actually present them on a keynote. So you, like you'd present kind of two to three slides for each point. So then, yeah, every Friday you're also having drinks and going through all of the latest information on blogs like Search Engine Land and Search Engine Watch and other, you know, PPC Hero and other big, big industry uh, blogs and things like this and, and going through it. So you're constantly up to date. You're constantly on the cutting edge and you, you're really learning. And Bruce Clay, like Hitwise, some of the deal size is bigger, um, probably not as big as the 120000 a month, but... Most like Bruce Clay kind of works on the the biggest companies in the countries in most countries that they are. Mm-hmm. So like in Australia, we're working on Telstra, who's the, the telecom of the country. Roses Only, the biggest flowers e-commerce company. Red Balloon, the biggest experience company. So really big businesses. So at that point, you're starting to get some real brand experience. Yeah, yeah, real brand experience and and solid like genuine how real seo was done as opposed like mm-hmm. the interesting thing is now like everyone talks about panda and penguin and how seo has changed so much and you know that kind of thing bruce clay was doing uh panda and penguin compliant seo back in 2008 yeah that's unheard of i think a lot of the big like bruce clay agencies were there's only because I moved on from there, and, and this is getting closer to now, to a, mm-hmm. an agency called um, the SEO Company. And they also became one of the biggest in Western Australia. Um, I ended up an a, uh, Asia-Pacific director for that business and then actually ended up white-labeling for them and delivering all their services through my company. But when I arrived, their average deal size was like $400 a month to $1,000 a month. And, and at that kind of level, it's just not possible to deliver proper high quality you know very very mm-hmm. intensive well thought out seo because you don't have the the revenue to to create the space for the the team to do the thinking to do the strategy to to spend you know a, a week auditing a website every month um for one client and that's why they kind of a lot of agencies defaulted back to that software based link building and target page on-site optimization and all those kinds of things that that really actually ended like worked, but right. you weren't really building a um, you know assets on the web right. that were adding value that you could point people to that improved your overall brand exposure. And, and so that was just because that's all the budgets pretty much supported for a lot of those clients, right? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Okay. And so then from there, when you you said you you moved around a little, little bit, and then I think it was. Around 2011, you launched your own boutique agency, right? Yes, that's right. Okay. Uh-huh. Click through IQ. Oh, click through IQ. So I was just trying to pick, figure <laughs> out what that was. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's that's right. So click through IQ um, was an agency, but it was a bit of a specialized agency in the sense that it was. Um, we did do a little bit of SEO and, and pay per click and kind of that that kind of service and deliverable for businesses, but it was more of a product launch agency. We actually did our own product launches at ClickThrough IQ on ClickBank and coached and consulted to other people doing launches and doing SEO and, and things like that. Yeah, and so were you, you were taking on a few clients at that point? A few clients, but they it was 
pretty like it was kind of specialized work like they had to mm. be they couldn't just be a business that was just trying to get some traffic they had to be people that were pretty hardcore internet marketers how would you find those types of clients um some of them found us uh, we found them on the warrior forum uh, well, I guess when we did the launch, like our joint venture partners uh, from from launches on ClickBank, yeah, we we didn't want to really work with too many people, so we would usually okay. only be working with you know four or five people at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So at that point, you've you worked for Hitwise, you've worked for Bruce Clay, you have a lot of experience. You have your own boutique agency where you're doing your own launches. You're working with a few clients. What what happens then? Where do you go after that? So I end up taking a um, a bit of a break after that. I uh, actually gave the company to to my friend and uh, or my business partner and, and, and exited and, and just pretty much walked away clean. And I decided to I just wanted to rethink, wanted to reassess. And I took about a year and a half or two years to just travel around. I went to to Vietnam and, and Thailand and. Um, and just kind of messed around for a while. Didn't, didn't really do anything. Hardly opened a laptop for, for, for mm-hmm. almost that whole period of time. The urge kind of came back a couple of years later to, to get back into digital. It was kind of trying to th- thinking between real estate and digital and an opportunity came up in, in digital to, to go and kind of set up a, a, an arm or a branch of a firm. Uh, initially just as a consultant in Thailand, in, in Pattaya, which is a, uh, like an ocean side city in, in Thailand. And I thought, you know, that's the first thing that's came. It, it looks cool. I like the people. They seem to know what they're doing to some degree. They are doing at this point the kind of smaller, like three nine five to to fifteen hundred dollar a month SEO. But that's okay. They've got a, a way of doing it, and they're getting results. You know, they're getting people to the top three, which is you know what it's what it's right. partly what it's all about. So I do that and uh, worked there. Spent six months there. Just consulting, brought on a lot of clients, probably bringing on between six and 15 clients every month. So I was really very, very sales focused. Um, after six months, I became the sales manager. After about eight months, I ended up head of the, the channel sales department. So actually bringing on web design companies to do their SEO through us, so to, to bring their clients to us. And then uh, after a year, um, ended up coming down to Bangkok and setting up an, a, another office and uh, worked as the Asia Pacific sales director. And then um, we yeah, really built out a team of about 60 people here and actually and then ended up them actually saying, look, what, what we want you to do is for you to set up a company and, and you to actually take over all these team members and what we want you to hire, train, develop and just grow out the business. So did that for a couple of years. It ended up a team of about 60. Another Australian guy was managing half of those people, the, the web design and development team and and I was managing the other half, which were which were sales, lead generation, SEO analysts, um, pay per click marketers, project managers. And it was just it was a really streamlined operation. You know, it was doing quite well. We grew the business from a million a year to to probably about ten million a year, or close to six or seven million mm-hmm. when when I when I decided to leave. But there um, some chinks started to appear in the armor, and and some of the money wasn't being handled like as well as it maybe should have been. Which, which happens, you know, it's kind of just sometimes part of, of, of business, unfortunately. But yeah. um, I ended up unhappy with that. And even after many, many conversations, it just wasn't being, uh, wasn't being rectified. 
Because I think you know, like like good to great says, um, you've got to look. You've got to look at things with radical honesty. You've got to be able to look at problems and and cut, like talk about them and not just pretend everything's good. And and that's the way you you solve. Right, not just brush it under the rug. Yeah, that's how you move to a, a great company from a good company, right? Um, so went and and now and set up a an, another agency, which is actually just the agency that did the white labeling for them, except I handed all the team and the staff and everything mm-hmm. over and, and had to start again. And so when did Smart ROI come in, into the mix? So Smart ROI ended up that, that, that company that they asked me to set up to do all the white labeling for them was Smart ROI. But it's it's in its kind of second life in the, in terms that it, it built became a, a thirty team member company delivering I don't know like four million or five million dollars worth of SEO each month um, down to really starting again just mm-hmm. just over twelve months ago and we've kind of built up now to we're delivering about I guess just under half a million dollars worth of SEO each month. Where does authority factor? I know it's a newer project for you. Where does that fit in with everything that's going on? So authority factor is in a little bit more like click through IQ, but a hybrid of, of both a digital agency and and click through and click through IQ in the sense that it's just about working with more high end stuff. So authority mm-hmm. factory puts together what I would call like a mini smart funnel for for clients. We do do high end SEO and high end pay per click as well, but it's it's just higher higher but does higher budget, higher end consulting and work. So Smarter OI is a full service digital agency and it's very it's very focused on the services side. Um Authority Factory's a high end digital consultancy. So okay. there'll be a lot of consulting before a project is put together. And typically those projects are going to be what I call like immediate ROI SEO. And that's done with a mini funnel where we'll really figure out the client's personas and their most common challenges and most universal challenges and build what we call pillar content, which are long form pieces of content. They could be a thousand words to 5,000 words or, or even longer, often multimedia pieces that really go deep into a, an area of the client's um, business and educational area, a value-based area to, to be very helpful and very useful to the reader. And then we accelerate those with paid social traffic to really push the exposure out. And they also lead into a, a funnel. So the 90% of that content will be educational. Throughout it, there'll be little hooks or links to go off and, and opt in for another piece. And then the last 10% of it will really be selling the next step. And the next step will be asking to, to for them to request more content, um, more than likely a short video series or a webinar or mm-hmm. a um, checklist or a cheat sheet or a short report, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, we also drop re- a remarketing pixel so that we're getting people there. It's, it's, it's much cheaper to promote content with paid traffic than it is to promote an opt-in page or a um, you know or a squeeze page or, or an offer page. Uh, and especially with Facebook, like they they give you a big, uh, they reward you for the, for creating the experience that they're looking for. So they they really want to bring great content to their users. So when you bring great content to their platform and you boost it, and we actually do dark posts on it so that we can demographically target the, the mm-hmm. most precise audience. Um, and yeah, they give us that big reward in in the form of giving us that traffic much much cheaper. Um, and it also is a huge value to the to the user to the client because they're getting their problems solved. And you're building trust with them. You're building authority with them. You're building expertise with them. 
they're, they're getting comfortable with you. And then after they've read that bit of content, it's always a lot more people that don't opt in than do. So those people, though, everywhere they go, then after that, are seeing different variations of your banners everywhere through remarketing in all the different you know shapes and sizes. And some of those remarketing banners are actually leading them to more content. Some of them are leading them down to the next stage. So they might actually go direct to a full page that now promotes the, the next step. So that video, that webinar, that report. Um, yeah, one of the, the cool ways I, I heard it described was there the best of the best that might on not on a squeeze page but on like a a light box pop up on a blog post or anything like that the best might get 10% on like a kind of typical opt in like that and if they do nothing if they just leave it at that that means they're ignoring 90% of their traffic whereas remarketing gives them a way to try to win at least a portion of those 90% of users back that's right yeah definitely and yeah 10% is so and we're just talking about a pure like a pop up or a sidebar right. opt in, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's hard to crack ten percent. It's hard to go over ten percent. It, it right. is doable, but it's unusual. Whereas on an opt in page, you know, you, you, the really good guys and you know we often as well can get sixty and even seventy percent. Right on the very simple the kind of the the squeeze pages where you're going to you're trying to get the email address you have an offer. Yeah, those ones will get the, the high percents. Yeah. And so for Authority Factor, do you have a typical client that you work with or is it all over the place? You talked a lot about um, the ideal client customer uh, persona. Do you have one for your agency, for your so, consultancy? So we have a few. And at the moment, I can tell you who, who the kind of people that it's ended up being. So at the moment, it's ended up um, like really high-grade health-like type coaches that, that help you with um, understanding your body and how it naturally is healthy when it's like spoken to right and given the right foods and the right amounts of water and that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And also like other business coaches, like conscious coaches and, and that and, and real estate investors. So, and I think that will actually roll down to us in the sense that it will be health industry um, type businesses it will be like business coaches and consultants typically and then, you know, the real estate and probably the financial markets as well. Mm-hmm. We we will look at anyone's um situation, but if it's not gonna work for them we, we won't we won't do it. And it's pretty hard to know for sure if it's not going to work. It, it's a bit easier to know if it is going to work. And though the mm-hmm. the businesses that it really works well for is anyone with a, a high average sale. So so if you've got an average sale of over $500, it's it's much easier to work for you. Or even I should say there an average profit margin per sale of over $500. It's much much easier to make it work for you. You can make it work again for the lower average sales definitely, but it it gets harder. Like the next level down, you know, $100 profit, you can still make that work. It's a bit harder, but under 100 it starts to get pretty hard. Like if you're just okay. selling ebooks and stuff, probably almost mm-hmm. impossible. And so are you going out and actively trying to find these clients? Are they finding you? Or what's the process like? How does your typical client find you? So we also have our own funnels that like the same mm-hmm. to what, to what, as to what we build. Um, we haven't fully rolled them out yet because SmarterOI has been growing so quickly and there's been a lot of focus there 
So at the moment, I've I've kind of bought in three um, clients that I'm I'm working on, and we're we're rolling out their funnels for them. And then once they're rolled out, we we will start to to roll our funnels out and and, and bring on people a bit more um, heavily because you can't work on that many funnels at any one time at the level at the depth and the level that we do them on. So when I'm when I'm working on these, it would mean that I'm typically doing two hours one to two hours on the phone every week with the client and then content creation. Um, there's, a, you know, there's a lot of time for our content creators, a lot of time in research and writing to develop those pieces. And then there's all the research on the demographic audience to find that, that perfect audience on, on Facebook I'm talking about here where it's, you know, there might be, just use the internet marketing industry for example. Let's just say you had a particular product that, would be perfectly like perfectly fit people that like Ryan Dice, Frank Kern, and Andy Jenkins. Just just as an example, right? Um, what we would do is we would use an API into Facebook, a tool that APIs into Facebook that allows us to not actually clump those guys together, but say that we we want to target the audience that likes Frank Kern and Ryan Dice and Andy Jenkins. And then our ads will only show up to that overlap, that perfect like flower in the middle um, that is those people that like actually like all three of those people can you explain a little bit how you're able to get that precise targeting that where you have the overlap of all three because it used to be you could target a page followers of a specific person uh, interest whatever directly and then if I look in like the standard editor and I say I want to find people who like Ryan Dice It'll say people who like Ryan Dice and similar pages. Yeah, so on the editor you can't you can't do that. So okay. on the editor you can only like lump together. That's that's the thing about it that right. makes it a bit like harder to get that granularity. And it's the targeting that's so important. Like with 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 buying traffic, it's not so much. There's two sides to this. One thing is. It's, you can't really buy traffic that's profitable. You have to make traffic profitable through the experience that you run the traffic through. But at the same time as that, you do also need to buy the right demographic of traffic. So when you're just lumping interests together, which is what Facebook allows you to do, you really like, yeah, it's targeted, but it's very, um, it could also be quite general. So they might have just one time clicked one of those things and then you, you lump in the and interests in these and it might just be not super certain that they're actually genuine, very, very interested in that area. But when you start to, like, we use, so we use a tool called Ad Expresso to do this. Okay. And there are other tools out there um, that, that can do this API integration. Um, but with Ad Expresso that goes into the API, and I don't know why Facebook only allows this to be done through the API and not direct. Mm-hmm. That just doesn't make any sense. But that's what it is at the moment. I'd okay. say they'll probably add it to Power Editor later, but they haven't mm-hmm. at this stage. You can't even do it with Power Editor, which is a Facebook tool for, for doing ads. And that the Ad Expresso that goes into the API allows us to, as I was saying there, instead of just you know saying they like this plus this plus this plus this plus this. It's they like this and this and this, so that it's the it's actually the intersection in the middle of the people that like all three of those things. Okay, and that's huge. So to the listeners, the way if you log into the standard Facebook ad editor, you have a few options. You can pick behaviors, interests, and a few other things. 
what Josh is saying is that with a few in the standard editor, if you say you want to target people that like Ryan Dice and Frank Kern, the standard editor won't even let you do that. I don't think it'll it'll combine people who like either of them and also similar pages. And so what he's able to do through Ad Espresso is because they have access to the API for whatever reason Facebook makes it that way, you can target those specific people and layer them so they have to like both of them, not one of them. Is that right, Josh? That's exactly right. And that, that's okay. the critical, that's the difference from our experience between buying traffic that converts pretty well and, and having a pretty annoying experience, frustrating experience. Yeah. Josh is giving us some great insights into building a successful agency. We're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor, but when we come back, the tips are going to keep on coming, and you'll hear how and why Josh sends nearly 3,000 emails a day. So don't go anywhere because we're going to be right back. The Agency Advantage podcast is brought to you by Hubstaff. Now, Hubstaff makes time tracking software for remote teams so that you can stop tracking time with spreadsheets or on the back of napkins or whatever else you're using and start getting the insights into how your team is actually spending their time that only screenshots and in-depth reports can give you. Our best clients are agency owners, and while they love the accountability that comes with it, it's sort of like Upwork but without all the crazy fees. Where they really find the true value is by being able to connect Hubstaff with a project management tool to see what tasks are taking up their team's time. Think of it as Google Analytics for your team. I do want to warn you, though, there's a good chance once you see this data, you're going to be sick when you realize how little time is spent actually delivering the project itself. But you can't set up the procedures to make your agency more efficient if you're just guessing where time is being spent. So give Hubstaff a try so you can stop guessing and start streamlining your agency. Head over to hubstaff.com today and sign up for a free, no credit card required, 14-day trial and get your agency back on track. All right, let's get back to Josh. You, at least in the past, you experimented a bit with cold email using virtual assistants for kind of not the mass sending out a thousand emails, but you had higher touch kind of one-on-one cold email outreach. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Sure, yeah. So, um, so that's our primary strategy for, for actually lead acquisition at Smart ROI. That it will become just a, a component of our strategy. But um, I recommend a, uh, a book right now. It's, it's just let me double check it. I'm pretty sure it's called, uh, it's in my, in my room in there, but I've got so many books in there. I think it's predictably scalable, predict, predictable scale. Let me just check. Predict, predictable revenue? Maybe predictable revenue. Is that is that about how Aaron Ross Force was great? That's it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Great book. Yes, really, really good book. The book is uh, Predictable Revenue by Aaron Ross. Yeah. I highly, if you're really wanting to grow a, a serious business, I really recommend you read the book. Um, I'd been doing cold email outreach before I read the book, but through reading Predictable Revenue and doing some other things that I was already doing, it really gave me the um, the cutting edge. So. Just a bit on predictable revenue. So Aaron Ross worked for Salesforce. He was bought in the very early days to um, help Salesforce scale and to reach a, a greater velocity of of, um, in, of cold developed business or new you know new client intake. And um, he set up a very streamlined process for cold email outreach, where like us they had data miners that go onto the out into the web and find your target audience. And they actually used certain tools 
to find business owners' direct email addresses that are all publicly available. Sometimes the owners don't realize they are, but if they've registered a domain or they have hosting or what have you, nine times out of ten business owners' email addresses publicly is actually in the public domain. Therefore, you know, you actually, you are allowed to email them one to one, um, providing, you know, that with this, in terms of the spam laws, and this is where it gets a little bit yeah. gray, but it's pretty clear that to, to be spam, it needs to be sent from a software platform. It needs to be sent in bulk, um, and it needs to be sent in bulk unsolicited without an unsubscribe link and without your address. So providing, even if you were sending it automatically, and I think you'd probably get pinged for this these days because people would complain, but the real spam laws says that as long as you've got an unsubscribe link and your address is at the bottom, mm-hmm. that you, you can mail them. But so anyway, we, but we, don't, we don't do it automatically and, and neither did Aaron Ross because it's just, you know, it's obvious for them and it's... It's clear that you it's didn't just care not as enough. effective, yeah. Not not at all. So it took us eighteen months to get this effective. So we we actually send out five hundred new emails each day, and total email that goes out each day because we send out four steps or three steps in the sequence. We send out about um, probably probably about fifteen hundred to three thousand emails every day going out the door. And wow. it took us um, of so of that of that five hundred. 18, when we first started, we were getting probably 0.01% um, reply rate. And uh, but after using working with some copywriters and um, and really a a b c d e testing for <laughs> a long a long time, uh, finally we came out with a, a winning variation. And initially, it was the winning variation of step one, and then we added a step two, and that increased it more. And then we added a step three, and that increased it even more. Uh, and all of the um, critical component was really working with a, a really, really good copywriter that understood B2B. You don't, not copywriters that are like your $10,000 letter guys that do ClickBank letters and stuff like that. Right. Got to be a B2B copywriter. So I know one of the mistakes that a lot of people make with, not even just for, for sales, but kind of anything to do with cold outreach, whether it's just trying to talk to somebody, even just get some advice, is that they'll spend all this time on the first email send it out, and then if they don't get a reply, they just move on. And so I know you talked about the different variations, the different steps. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of kind of having follow-up emails and, and sticking with it? Yeah, definitely. And I, I guess yeah, I want to touch on to two points about that because you, you bring up a really a really powerful point for everything in business, Andy, and that's that the people give up way too soon, you know, way too mm-hmm. soon. They, they test something once and then they go, oh, this doesn't work. And then they move on to the next thing, and then the same feeling. Oh, this doesn't work. And then that, but what? Nothing. Even the very best Facebook advertisers, like, will all say we roll out, you know, thirty, forty, even a hundred ad variations to umpteen different um, demographic segments. Mm-hmm. And once we get down to what's profitable, we've probably got three to five left. And then they've still got to continue to tweak those and, and the, and the right. message and the graphics and everything to really get it out there. And it was exactly the same with, with, the, with emailing, with cold calling for that matter, with any kind of sales process for that matter. You've got to keep testing and refining and tweaking and, and, and enjoying that process of knowing that there is a winning combination out there. You just haven't found it yet and that you might be only a 
a step or a few steps away and it's the difference between having a, a business that does okay and a business that becomes a screaming success. Yeah, and, and a lot of it too is these days, just especially with email at least, is that people get so many emails every day that even if they want it, like how many times if you think about it when you're going through your emails, you get an email, you're like, all right, I'll reply to that later, and then you just you forget. You don't get to it. And so the benefit of being persistent is that people aren't even always trying to, some people are trying to know you, but not everyone is. And so if you give it a few tries, and if you try different messages, if you try different angles, if you try this and that, you'll, you'll find something, you'll get it to work. So one of the, a cool story, I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, Steli Efti. He's the founder of Close.io. It's a sales CRM tool. But he tells a story about how he was, when he was raising money for his startup, he was trying to get the attention of a kind of a, a warm lead, someone had introduced him to, to a, a billionaire who was, expressed some interest and said, yeah, shoot me an email. It took Steli, followed up 42 times before he got a response. Wow. And most people would have quit after one or two. I probably wouldn't have gone to 42, but, but the point was when, the, when he finally got a response, the guy said, thank you so much for being so persistent. I was overseas on business for the last couple of months, barely checked my email. My assistant didn't get to it until I got back. I'm glad you followed through. And after a couple more meetings, cut him a check. He closed his round. And it just shows that kind of the following up aspect is huge. But also, like you said, the, the testing. How many times are we going to see these articles where they say Facebook ads are dead or cold calling's dead, cold emails dead, when it's the person writing it sent a couple emails, made a few calls, and, and just quit? Or, or, or they just know that that's one of the best hooks you can write to get the click. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good point, too. Because people do love hating on Facebook ads, and yet we see your agencies and your clients, they're getting results. People love hating on everything, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. It's, that's um, true. And it's, yeah, it's, and it's, it's frustrating well, to see that sometimes because, you know, there are, there are a lot of people out there, Andy, that are often, you know, they're so close to, to success, but, you know, they might read one of those stupid posts that says Facebook ads are dead or SEO is dead or, you know, any of those things are dead and, and that discourages them and, you know, then they're on to the next thing that's supposedly now alive and, you know, they're, they're into another round of frustration. But, um, I mean, just let's look at that for a second. So that whole SEO is dead thing as well is just the most ridiculous. I, I, love, I actually shot a video about it just the other day. It'll be going up on Authority Factory soon about that, how SEO is dead and people say it all the time and get these questions. SEO is only going to be dead when Google is gone when Yahoo is gone, when Bing is gone, when, when there is no search engines in the world, then SEO is going to be dead. It might right. be that SEO is modified a little bit and it, and it only is modified for the people that were already doing it wrong. Um, right. You know, the people that were always doing it right, it hasn't changed that much at all. Um, so be yeah, very careful of people that say that kind of <laughs> rubbish. Back in the day when on AdWords, when clicks would, were under a dollar for everything, it, it wasn't that hard to make money. Or when you could spam out 50,000 kind of crappy profile links, all with exact anchor match text. It wasn't that hard. But if you're doing it right, if you're following the right principles, if you understand why things work, you're right. As long as there's a search engine, there will be ways to optimize for it. Definitely. Definitely, definitely. Now, let's go back to what you were saying about the cold email. You mentioned the steps. Can you go in a little more detail about what those are? 
So, so I think a really important person. You're probably a, a Dan Kennedy fan, are you, Andy? Or do you like yep. Dan Kennedy? So, um, I think that Dan Kennedy is a he's a genius of a of a marketer. Um, he's mm-hmm. got an interesting way about him as well. And I think people either love that or can't stand it. He's got the very old school kind of what people might not spammy, but they might think kind of like infomercial style. To him a little bit. Someone, someone said to me the other day that like they don't like him because they think he's um, he's fake and like he's not he d- he just doesn't care and I just don't agree with that at all. I think mm-hmm. I think he just he knows that it's a, a jaded market and he realizes that if lots of people that he teaches aren't going to implement what he's going to teach them, even though he knows it's the very best thing for them to do. He's just got that slight attitude about him, but he, I think deep down he, he knows that it's worth continuing to do what he does. Of course, of the money, of course, but because he also, <laughs> I believe, believes that a few the, the few people that are going to do what he teaches them and do really well will do really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I, I think he's a genius anyway. I like his stuff. I listen to a lot of other people's stuff as well, but it was really him that I very first heard a long, long time ago teaching about the importance of the steps. So that, and he was talking about direct mail at the time where okay. people that send one direct mail piece might get, might get a 1% um, or less. They might get half a percent um, results. People that send two might go up from half percent to one. You send three, you might go up from one percent to two. But you start to, you know, get further down the daisy chain, five, six, seven, and you can actually get your response. You can bump that up to five or ten percent. And that, for me, was, you know, mind blowing that you could make that much of a difference. Because when you're doing those kinds of uh, the large amounts of numbers that you send out, that that ends up a lot. So. We generate about probably 300 inbound leads each month at the moment. But if we didn't have the steps in there, we'd probably be, we'd probably be generating, you know, 50 or, or maybe 100. But because of the steps, we've got more leads than we could ever, you know, the guys, my consultants are always flapping that they, you know, they can't get some more <laughs> the leads and, oh, it's, I can't understand my, my infusion soft now. There's too many leads and, I mean, it's a good problem to have, right? Right. <laughs> uh, One of those good problems, yeah. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I just, because they, I just like saying to them, you guys just don't know. We used to run to the phone to get, if there was a lead and, you guys are complaining because you got too many of them. I mean, God. <laughs> it's hilarious. You have the 500 emails a day, new emails, and you said 1,500 or 3,000 total with all your follow-ups and all of that. And you said that's 100 potential leads that then go to sales guys. What happens then? So they, we, we reach out and we have a... Um, it's an, an, I guess the initial call is a bit of a qualification call. Um, mm-hmm to really find out what their needs specifically are and then just if they have a genuine need. Because some people that reply just kind of reply a bit willy-nilly and, you know, it sounds interesting. But, but other people that reply are really serious about it. Um, and and we'll, we'll deal with all, each the same way initially, but they kind of filter themselves out pretty quickly if they're not really that serious about it. And then they go into a nurture sequence. The, for the ones that are quite serious is that they... They then get booked in for a about a one hour, 45 minutes to an hour, really in-depth needs analysis call where we go right through, you know, where they are now, where they want to be, what the gap is. So, you know, how many leads are they getting now? How many leads would they like to be getting? 
So this is the gap. Of, is this what, what you really need to achieve to get to there? Why do you want that? What's the revenue goal? What marketing are you doing now? Or have you done what's worked? What hasn't worked? Tell us about your website. How important is it to the business? And so it's a strategy session essentially. Right. To really get very clear on where they want to get to, where they are right now, and what the growth is in the middle that needs to be created to get there. And then we'll come through to recommending some products that, that probably might fit, fit that gap, find out a budget. And then if they agree in, in principle with what's been said there, then the next step is to move into research. So then we'll go away, do a stack of research, find all the right keywords, figure out the spend, fit, look at the AdWords, um, can, what, what, what can be done with Google AdWords, what can be done with SEO. Basically, put a plan together that will help them get from from you know from A to B. What what's going to help them jump? In this back before out. they're a customer, before, before they're, they're a client. Customer. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then that that next call where we go through the the research is called an ROI call, um, and it's where we really go through the the plan to get them over that gap. And um, during that call, we'll go through that in detail, and from the same page, essentially just you know say you know we. Do you like what you've seen? Are you ready to get this started? Um, you know, what do you feel the next step should be? Mm-hmm. And usually about 30 to 40% of people that, that go there to that call will, will go ahead on that call. If they don't go ahead on that call, then we usually will move to a um, formalizing it into a proposal. A few more okay. people go ahead there. And then the people that don't go ahead about the proposal are usually the, the really analytical people that really need to think about things over and over again and speak to people about things. And, and they go into a bit of a follow-up chain where for the first month they get a call, or maybe even the first two months, they probably get a call every couple of weeks. And then after that, they just go into a, a cycle to be called now and then, kind of when you think about them. And they also What do you use to manage this process? Infusionsoft. I don't have a ton of experience with Infusionsoft. I know that's basically what every kind of serious marketer with, especially with the volume that you guys are doing, uses. But with Infusionsoft, are you able to remind people to make calls and follow up as well? Infusionsoft has a fully functional CRM that's almost as good as Salesforce. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, perfect. So we use Infusionsoft to probably a greater degree than most of your marketers out there. Most right. of the marketers out there are using it for the, the email marketing automation and the, the rules exactly. and the behavioral marketing. But not a lot. I mean, actually, there are a lot of full businesses that use Infusionsoft to its total d- d- degree of depth, but they might also, they might be missing the email side. So we're, we're trying to merge both sides where we're using all of the automation and behavioral email marketing rules with a, a very, very well built CRM that you can also apply the automation rules to your own team as well. And so I'm, I'm trying to create like the little flow chart of how on this call, if they don't convert, then do this, then that in my head. And it's, it's complex. And so how long did it take you to develop this sales method to where it is today? Um, oh, years, years. Um, I mean, this, is, this sales procedure now is it's a mix of it's a mix of Hitwise, Bruce Clay, what we developed at the SEO company, Click Through IQ, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's really it's been a lot of time in creation, development, optimization to really get it um, to now. And uh, yeah, so it's 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 ten years in the making, I, I suppose, in a sense. But it's it's the same process really that all a lot of the top digital agencies use. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. When I talk to the standard agency, even ones that have 
10, 20 employees, a lot of them, if you ask them how they have their clients, they'll say, well, usually it's a referral. It's word of mouth. It's, it's this or it's that. And they don't have a process like this. And so when they hear all these steps you're taking, I'm sure you have a, a team of VAs and sales guys and everything. It's kind of intimidating to them. So what would you say to the person who's never sent a cold email, who's never done any of this? How would you suggest for them to get started? I think the first thing they've got to ask themselves, are they happy with their current results? <laughs> yeah. And if the answer is no, then it's time to look at something like this pretty seriously because it's the same with us. Like our resellers, a lot of people we speak to, that's the way they, they do get their clients and they're stuck in this, not always, some of them are really good at it, but some of them, a lot of them are stuck in this wheel where there's like, it's kind of feast or famine and they're really desperate. Well, not desperate, but they really need that referral to go ahead and, and then they get that and they move into the work process and they want to move to a point where they've got an agency that the business is like kind of really becoming self-sufficient and there's enough business in to grow the team. Because what they worry about is that I think sometimes that if they've got all that business coming in, they're not going to be able to fulfill it. But if they've got all that business coming in, they're going to be able to bring the team members on to to actually help them fulfill mm-hmm. it and they can create the true, the, the true promise of, the business allows, which is, you know, the, the freedom. Um, it takes a while, of course, but it's, that is the way to the freedom. So, you know, just, just just take it a step at a time. You know, we didn't start emailing 500 people a day and, and, and sending out three steps. We started with getting the first email right, and we were sending it out to 100 people a day. And we had one data miner and one emailer. Right. Mm-hmm. And as some leads came in, we worked on the process to get those leads to convert. And as we got a bit better and some more clients came on and the revenue grew, we added another data miner and we added another emailer. And then we went up mm-hmm. to 300 a day and we did that for probably almost, almost eight months. And then only recently, a few months ago, did we jump from 300 um, emails a day to 500 emails a day and three mailers. But our data mining team, the, the two people that we initially brought on to, to do our data mining, we re- have recently found out they're actually managing 12 people for us to do the data mining. So oh, wow. that was pretty um, <laughs> amazing. So, yeah, so it's a process. It's, it's highly process driven. Again, I'd come back to if, if they read predictable revenue, they will understand mm-hmm. the whole process very All right, thoroughly. I'll make sure to link that in the show notes. And I mean... Everything you talked about, it's, it's, you didn't start out sending 500 emails a day. You started out sending a couple. And you improved, you learned, you did all of that. I, I definitely agree with what you're saying. For the new agency owner who's scared by this, figure out who your, client, your ideal client is and send a few emails. Learn and adjust and just keep repeating that until you're able to build a machine that gets you as many clients as you want, as you can fulfill. Absolutely, definitely. And, and look, it's, it's a little bit of a scrappy entrepreneurship practice it, i mean that doesn't matter you know the, the conversion on the, the leads is a bit lower than what other types of leads would be but it's the lowest cost way to get the highest amount of volume of people that are genuinely interested and, and have your, your consultants speaking to people that want to do something and then when you've been doing that for a year and you've built up to you know we've built up to virtually a half a million dollar a year business in in 12 mm-hmm. months through wow. through that process then like now you're in a position to, from a place of strength, start doing your Facebook ads, start doing your Google AdWords, really build out your content marketing strategy and your, your body of work on the web and, and turn yourself into a, a high-end agency. You've given us a ton of your time, a ton of advice. So to wrap things up a little bit, what are you most excited about for your businesses in the next year? 
most excited about um, just just continuing to grow, bringing on and training more team members to give them an opportunity to learn this great industry, uh, authority factory, and and creating amazing um, you know huge return on investment propositions for for our clients and and building those out, but but also building our body of work on on the web. So mm-hmm. we really want um, authority factory in a sense to become a bit of a place where young digital marketers come that really want to learn and become very, very good at this industry as, as well as business owners that are looking to learn and, 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 and develop and learn true digital marketing. So really um, putting those workshops on, having that amphitheater and, and having a studio where we become more than just an agency but also a, a place for people to come and learn and grow and develop and, and, and really you know, create something amazing. No, I'm excited to see that all play out. Before we say our goodbyes, where can our listeners find you and your company? So um, if you're interested in um, Smart ROI, we're, we're at smartroi.com.au. It's just a, pretty much an agency site. We'd be happy to, to talk to you and do a strategy session. Um, authoritytfactory.net is a really good site to go and have a look at. That's where all the content strategy is, and that's like really starting to grow now with video content mm-hmm. and, and, and blog posts and podcasts. And then there's also tropicalentrepreneur.com, which is, which is my podcast. It's a, it's a good place to go as well. It's a lot of great content like Andy's putting together here. Um, and yeah, if you, if you want to, if you want to reach out to me and, and kind of talk about, Something or book in a strategy session, you can just can email me at um, josh, J-O-S-H, at smartroi.com.au. All right, Josh, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. You gave us a ton of books, links, everything. I'll make sure to get that all in the show notes. So thanks again for your time, Josh. It was great talking to you. Thanks, and Andy. Thank you. See ya. I hope you guys enjoyed the first episode of the Agency Advantage podcast. Josh gave us a ton of great stuff to think about. And I'll be honest, sending 3,000 emails a day seems out of reach for most of us, but Josh makes a good point. You don't start by sending 3,000 emails. You start by sending the first one, learning from it, sending a few more, and just continuously learning along the way. If your agency relies on referrals and word of mouth, that's fine. There are plenty of successful agencies out there based on that model. But if you're tired of the feast and famine that many assume is par for the course of running an agency, then maybe you should look into a more calculated sales approach, and Josh gave you a lot to think about for that. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd love it if you went over to iTunes and shared what you got out of it in a review. I'm sure it was rough around the edges in parts, so if you have any feedback for me, please leave a comment here so I can improve. That's all for this week. Tune in next week for another interview to help you build and grow your agency. Talk to you then.